Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Wednesday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Doug Murray and Stephen Means talking transfers. Stephen, there's like a it's like a lot of little bits and pieces floating around right now. Gene Smith, they're out at the uh kind of in Arizona. Another beat right I know is like, oh man, you gotta go to Arizona to the college football meetings, and it's like it's just a boondoggle for ADs and conference commissioners and a select few college football reporters who can get their outlets to pony up for a trip to Arizona to a spa with a cactus to hang out. So like Gene Smith said a thing, it sounded like it was like a two minute walk-in interview with ESPN where he was like, yeah, I think we should probably just have all the college football, big football teams break off and do their own thing and not need the NCAA. And it's like, okay, here we go. Oh, which is, which is, I, I just, we're going to get into transfers because the portal is closed. The portal's never closed. <laughs> portal is always open. Welcome to Transfer Portal. You can check out any time you want, but you can never leave. That's a that's a uh, reference from a song from the seventies. Uh, we danced to it. It was the song we danced to, Stephen, in middle school. The slow dance at the end mm. of the night was Hotel California. You ever you ever hear that one? I've heard of the song before. It's not what we were dancing to. It's slow dance, but I'm. <laughs> From a different generation. I would imagine that. You can check out that's that's like the deep when I was like 13. <laughs> the lyric you can check out anytime you want, but you can never leave was like the deepest thing that I had ever heard in my life. I was like, this Don Henley is a genius. I don't know who that is, but anyway, so the portal is always open, but if you want to play in the fall, you're supposed to be in the portal by May 1st. You don't have to have landed at your new place, but you're supposed to be in the portal by May 1st. So we were delaying this transfer discussion sort of until that window passed. And we sort of, we think, have the reports of everybody who's in. That includes Jordan Addison, the Blitnikoff winner from Pitt, who may be on the market for a better NIL deal. He hasn't announced where he's going to go, but he's in the portal. So we were waiting for that. But there's all these little other things popping up. There's potentially a new TV deal coming for the Big Ten, which is going to maybe make every Big Ten team make $71 million a year from its TV rights, which is a huge amount of money. What are you going to spend it on? There's a report from the Dispatch Wednesday morning that Ohio State is now going to pay academic bonuses for athletes up to like almost $6,000 per year. We're double-checking on that. We'll have a story on that eventually at Cleveland.com. That's one of the places you can spend TV money. The transfer portal, all of this stuff is connected. There's reports that college football is worried about these name, image, and likeness collectives, two of which now exist at Ohio State where people give money to the collectives and then they pay out to athletes, perhaps as a recruiting inducement, which is not what people in college sports actually want it to be. 
They want it to be more like a reward for people currently on the team, not as an inducement to recruits coming in, but there's no laws. So Stephen, there is a lot of stuff happening. I don't know that people care about every little piece, but I do think they care about how it all comes together to affect the sport. And we're going to get to the transfers in a second. It's just like at the moment, Stephen, I don't know how it's all going to affect the sport, but we're getting piecemeal bits of information. And I think it's stuff be changed. Like it's stuff is in flux, but I don't know where it's going to land because again, as Nathan and I discussed in the Tuesday pod, this is a sport with no leadership. Yeah. Yes. But also I think before a lot of this NIL stuff came into play, we discussed the Jordan Addison, you know, conversation. That's scenario. What if other, yes, that, and now it's playing out. What if this really, really good player has an awesome year, but because he's only a sophomore has to come back and the team he was at now sucks. And he's on the market. Yeah. He's like a free agent. He's basically a free agent. Literally. And it's not like a disgruntled guy. It's not a a backup looking for opportunity. It's a super accomplished football player. He did have his coordinator leave. He does have a new quarterback, but Mm -hmm. he's basically trying to maximize his opportunity. And opportunity is a code word for money, which is fine. But is this what anybody intended? So the reason that it matters, Stephen, all these bits and pieces do affect transfers, which is what we're talking about now, because there is the allure of what either what a school theoretically can do with you in the NIL world or what a school specifically can do for you in the NIL world. Because we these collectives can operate. They have to be independent from the schools. But they can go out and say, Jordan Asim, we got a million bucks lined up for you. If you come here, we're going to give you a million dollars. That could be happening. So that affects all these transfers that we're going to cover. A lot of them in the end aren't affected by NIL, Stephen, because it's a lot of backups, especially the guys who left Ohio State. It's backups looking for a chance to play. But when it's mm-hmm. a transfer of a starter, a starter-level guy who's looking for a pay bump, that's where NIL matters to the transfer discussion. And all it takes is one for anybody else out there to go, wait, we can do that? Because yeah. there's always going to be the – Jamison Williams is of the world who are just looking for more opportunities so they can get to the NFL faster. But Jordan Addison doing it, it's like, okay, who else is at, you know, UCLA right now where it's the same concept. So that's all like this now opens the gate for that. And again, just imagine if it was Jackson Smith and Jigba, just imagine if it was Jackson Smith and Jigba. Now you could say, Hey, Ohio state has a great play caller has a great quarterback, has great resources, has a great fan base, has developed NFL players, has NIL opportunities. That wouldn't happen to Ohio State. The whole point is the pits of the world, which is where Jordan Addison plays right now, have to keep up with Ohio State. And that's just the reality. But just imagine if all those things are true about Ohio State and Florida State or Texas or Florida or Oklahoma or USC or Oregon or somebody or Michigan or Penn State says, mm-hmm. we'll give you $3 million bucks. Our collective guarantees you $3 million if you come here. Just imagine that. Because as you said, Stephen, we talked about this theoretically. Jordan Addison is a step on that path. 
but it is not all the way. And so just imagine if it was Jackson Smith and Jigba, and if everybody listening to this podcast would just say, well, okay, players have freedom. Transfers can play right away. They are able to make money. Collectives are allowed. This is just the way of the world. This is the way it works. This is the result of player freedom and opportunity. And Jackson Smith and Jigba just left because an NIL at the University of Miami, there's a there's a booster at the University of Miami who is handing out hundreds like a Pez dispenser. And it's above board now. If Mario Cristobal said, I need a receiver, and the Miami Collective said, let's get you the best receiver in college football, we'll go to $3 million a year. How would everybody feel? That's what's on the table. The professionalization of college football. And, and, and the thing that I, I don't want to have the same conversation again and again, but again, I feel like this conversation, I just don't hear it a lot of other places. John Morant is amazing. John Morant is amazing. He is a young player. He cannot play for the Lakers next year. It doesn't matter how much the Lakers would offer John Morant or what the Celtics would offer John Morant. Because first of all, there's a cap on what they can offer him. And second of all, he's under contract because there are rules of how, for in the name of competitive balance, players are bound by contracts for periods of time and they are compensated. Imagine if John Morant was a free agent. What would happen? Would he stay in Memphis? But in college sports right now, John Morant is potentially a free agent. So that's all we're saying is that where we want to be. So we don't want to go all the way down that road because we went down that road a little bit on Tuesday. We're going to keep having that conversation as the sport evolves and learns. Hopefully, fingers crossed, learns. Ha, ha, ha. Does college football learn? They learn when stuff blows up. So stuff's kind of blowing up. Let's talk about actual transfers. At the end of this, Stephen, you are going to build an Ohio State all-transfer defense because it can be done. Did you have to do did you have to stretch at all or did you legitimately build an 11 man defense entirely from players who have left Ohio state since like September of last season? No, it was actually pretty easy to be honest with you. Guys kind of slid in. No one's playing a position where you couldn't actually see them playing it at Ohio, at least being in a two deep at Ohio state. And it is not, this is a defense that you could put on the field Against probably like almost everybody short of like yes. Michigan and Wisconsin, the Big Ten, and be like, we'll take our chances, right? Yes. So we're going to yes. build that defense and talk about what it means, what Ohio State's lost, what those players may go and do. But let's talk about transfers in general first, Stephen. There is something, 247 Sports does a good job of tracking transfers. They have something called the 2022 Transfer Football Team Rankings, where this is a lot like recruiting rankings where they assign value to players and then they add up um, a total points for each team based on how many transfers that they have added. But the issue here is there's no limit. So it's not like in recruiting, it's like everybody winds up between like 20 and 28. And then you say, here's the total points. Here's the average star ranking with recruiting. Some teams have 15, some teams have two. So in that ranking, USC is number one. USC has 15 commitments. 
A team like LSU is third, Oklahoma fourth. Alabama only has five transfers, according to 247, by what it does. But they have they are fifth in the total points because their transfers are so impactful. By the 247 mm-hmm. ranking, is one five-star transfer and four four-star transfers. Texas is eighth. Miami is ninth. Ohio State is 68th. Ohio State has three transfers in. And I almost wish that there was a formula that somebody could do where you sort of get minus points for your transfers out and you get plus points for your transfers yeah. in because Ohio State would clearly be a minus right now. But, Stephen, in a world where Alabama has five transfers in, including its probable number one receiver, its probable starting running back, a probable defensive starter, although Elias Ricks just ha- got has some off-field issues that just popped up, where Alabama is doing that in these rankings, Alabama is fifth, and Ohio State is 68th. We know they've had Justin Fields and Trey Sermon and Jonah Jackson and some impactful guys in the past. We know they got Chip Trainum among their three guys in right now. 68th in a world where USC and LSU and Oklahoma and Alabama and Texas, and this, listen, by the way, a lot of those schools high in the rankings, new coaches. USC, new coach. LSU, new coach. Oklahoma, new coach, right? Miami, new coach. That's not a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Is it okay as Ohio State 68th in the transfer rankings, or should they be doing more? I think it's okay because that means the talent on their roster is developing. Because even Alabama, as you mentioned, the fact that they've got a bunch of highly rated guys, well, that's because they don't have the guys on the roster, so they had to go get plug-and-play people. Yeah, they don't For the second straight year in a row, they don't believe in the development of their own wide receivers, so they had to go get another guy who's going to be their Jamison Williams this year. So. If you're a top five program in the country, I don't know how much these rankings matter to you on a year-to-year basis. Okay. So we're not – because the thing that I wonder is I think we we would agree that Alabama – Alabama does everything from strength. Yeah. But some of these are from weakness. Jermaine Burton getting Georgia's best returning receiver to come to Alabama, that is because of some uncertainty in the receiver room. Jameer Gibbs transferring from Georgia Tech to replace Brian Robinson, they have some good backs behind him. But if they had the next Derrick Henry for sure, maybe they don't do that. It is a little weird. I just, I think it's okay for Ohio State to look at what Bama does, right? And say, okay, well, Bama's doing it this Mm -hmm. way. Because Saban warns everybody. Saban's like, I don't think we should be doing this as a sport. But if we are, here we go. And I'm going to do it better than you. (laughs) Whatever we do, I'm going to do it better. So if you let me pluck the best player from other teams because that's suddenly okay now that I'm going to pluck. Should Ohio State be plucking more? What if Ohio State got one of Wisconsin's Jack Sanford? Is he is he back? I'm trying to think of a returning linebacker in the Big Ten, right? Ohio State has some uncertainty at linebacker. What if Ohio State just went and got the best linebacker in the Big Ten and put them on their team, just like Alabama went and got Georgia's best receiver. Should Ohio State be doing a little more of that? Yes and no. I think it still has to just make sense. I don't think you should just be plucking for the sake of plucking. I I almost feel like the recruiting rankings and the transfer rankings should be polar opposite as far mm. as who's at the top. You know, because if you're at the top of the transfer rankings, it's either, as you mentioned with USC, you've got a new head coach or some things went really wrong Yes, with the develop, development. So it's almost, it, it's 
pick your now Alabama just has happens to be in a position right now because of where their you know holes are that they get to be in the top ten of both. But I don't think on a normal basis, if you're competing for a national championship, you shouldn't be in the top ten of the transfer rankings because typically you're only going to the portal for one or two things tops. Uh, along those lines, we're gonna look. Let's look quickly at the transfer rankings of the Big Ten, and we'll do that next on Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice and Stephen Means, 614-350-3315 to join us as a tech subscriber. Oh, have we talked? Uh, I don't know if we've let the – I let the texter audience know this, but as we record this on Wednesday, I don't think we've officially informed our Buckeye Talk listener audience that Baby Baird has arrived. Baby Baird is here. Bennett, his name's not Baby Baird. He's a Baby Baird. I used to well, – yeah, Baby Bird, Baby Baird. Bennett Baird. I don't know if they're going to call him Bennett or Ben. Bennett Baird has arrived. He was born on Sunday to Buckeye Talk co-host Nathan Baird, who is going to be out for a couple months on parental leave. We have recorded. uh, We have, if you listen to the Tuesday show, that was pre-recorded before the baby. Nathan was on that. We have recorded five other shows that we recorded before Nathan left that we will sprinkle in over the next couple weeks. So Stephen and I will be doing our thing. Stephen's going to start doing probably a recruiting podcast each week that I won't be on. We're going to start some opponent uh, podcasts where I'll try to interview an opposing beat writer each week from Ohio, as we go through Ohio State's schedule. And then Stephen and I will be doing a lot of the regular stuff, drafting stuff, retalkables, news of the day, that kind of thing. But you'll also hear Nathan's voice five more times. He'll be back at sometime at the end of June. But Bennett Baird is here. Baby is healthy. Mom is healthy. Nathan, I assume, is eating tacos. Everybody's great, but he's just not going to be hanging out with us um, on a regular basis in the near future as he's on parental leave. So congratulations to the Bairds. Uh, You can send him a note on Twitter at NWBaird, I think it is, if you want to say congratulations to him there. But just if you're wondering, like, hey, that other guy, that guy, uh, the Purdue guy with the beard, he's not going to be around for a little bit. But Stephen and I will be here to guide you through this. So... Big 10 in these transfer rankings from 247 Sports. It sort of proves what you're saying here, Stephen. Number one is Nebraska. They have 13 in. And the the threshold is like since the start of last season. So when we talk Mm -hmm. about Ohio State, that includes like guys like Dallas Gant and Kayvon Pope and guys who left in the middle of the year. Nebraska is first. They have 13 in. Michigan State, number two. Michigan State, Mel Tucker built a New Year's Six team last year on transfers, including Kenneth Walker III. Mel Tucker doing a good job there. They're second. They have 10. Indiana, which had a terrible year last year and needs some help. They're third with 12. Rutgers fourth. Minnesota fifth. Wisconsin sixth. Purdue seven. Penn State eight. Ohio State nine. Michigan 10. Northwestern 11. Maryland 12. Illinois 13. And Iowa, no transfers in. Also, that's like, it's one of those things. Sort of there's the teams that need more help. They're kind of at the top. Toward the bottom, maybe are the more established teams. And then last is Iowa, because Iowa's like, ah, new thing. We're fine. Mm-hmm. We don't do new things at Iowa. So Kirk Ferentz is like, oh, if you didn't commit to us in ninth grade, then we don't want you to be a Hawkeye. We're Iowa. So that's fine. But that does that not reinforce what you're saying, Stephen, that actually maybe with Bama as the exception, Alabama, they're a plucker. Yeah, They will pluck you. Alabama will pluck you. They will pluck anybody. Alabama plucks without regard. Alabama will pluck any team. 
that it wants to. So that's Bama. Everybody else is patching holes. And when you start with Nebraska at the top, it reinforces your idea there. It sounds like what college football has been for the past decade and a half since Nick Saban showed up in Tuscaloosa. Alabama abides by a different set of rules than the rest of us. And everybody else has to, you know, you either accumulate talent from recruiting or you accumulate talent from the portal. Pick one. But you're not always going to be able to do both. And I do think in the end, still, Stephen, it's hard because the big name guys get the attention, obviously, right? We started off this podcast by talking about Jordan Addison. He won the award as the best receiver in college football last year. He's in the portal. Caleb Williams is a five-star quarterback recruit. Lincoln Riley leaves Oklahoma to go to USC. He gets a lot of attention, right? Jackson Dart is a big-time quarterback recruit. He leaves USC. He goes to Ole Miss. Quinn Ewers leaves Ohio State. He goes to Texas. There are – Jamison Williams and Joe Burrow are examples. They're like as big as you can get, right? Mm -hmm. Most of these guys, though, still, right, it still feels like in the – and I do think a decent portion of this works because it's a lot of backups looking to play. And I do, is that not, what, what should transferring be ideally in your mind? Is that what it should be? I'm a good player. I'm at a school where I'm blocked from getting on the field. I'm going to go to a school where I have a better path to the field. It's either Jamison Williams, Joe Burrow, or the Tanner McAllister, um, Jonah Jackson, where it's like, I've exhausted my eligibility at this school. I've played. I want to go try to win because I'm back for another year of college football and I'm going to go to a power. And you're a plug and play guy. I think those are the two routes that you typically see. Um, Because even with Caleb Williams, Lincoln Riley just took Oklahoma and moved it to Hollywood this first year that's you know that's not i I don't even consider him a transfer he's going to play for this exact same coaching staff just in a different city where it's warmer and and nicer but i think those are your two routes it's either these really old guys who are basically what uh, the grad transfer used to be before you had the one-time transfer rule or it's guys who just want more opportunity because they're trying to get to the nfl everything in between can change from year to year yeah no i i i think that's right um, so, I mean, when you look at, again, the, the, it's the 2022 college football transfer portal. I really just do appreciate any outlet. I'm using 247 Sports because they just do a really good job with their composite recruiting rankings. They go, It's hard to track this stuff. And as a local site, Cleveland.com, man, we can't track all the portal news for every college in the country. So I appreciate uh, what, what 247 Sports does. You look at, like, the best players in the portal, number one, ca- that have entered the portal – in the last year or so. Caleb Williams, number one. Quinn Ewers, Jackson Dart, quarterback, USC to Ole Miss. Eli Ricks, as we said, defensive back, LSU to Alabama. Jordan Addison, who's in there now. Uh, an offensive tackle that went from Oregon to BYU. Jameer Gibbs, the running back from Georgia Tech to Alabama. Zach Evans, former five-star running back, TCU to Ole Miss. Mario Williams, uh, wide receiver, Oklahoma to USC. Jermaine Burton, the receiver, Georgia to Alabama. Tanner McAllister is 11th, Stephen on that list. And once you get past that top 10, that top 10 is pretty glamorous. Bunch of quarterbacks, running backs and receivers. Then you're getting like Tanner McAllister's 11, Drew Sanders, who's 
a good, he's an okay Alabama linebacker. He's 12. Brandon Joseph, the Northwestern safety, who was a really good player, transferred to Notre Dame, kind of taken over for Kyle Hamilton. He's 15th. Spencer Rattler's 16th. And then we get down to, now we're talking linemen, some less big name guys. Dylan Gabriel, who's a decent size move, UCF to Oklahoma. He's probably going to be Oklahoma's starting quarterback. It's really like Travis Dye, who was a running back, one of the two running backs for Oregon last year. He transferred to USC. Once you get past like the top 10, I feel like, Stephen, there's maybe 10 guys that could sort of like really change the college football season. You know, a couple of the quarterbacks, a couple of the big time receivers are running back. But it's not at the moment, it's not 60 game program changing, team changing players. You know what I mean? Like it's eight, yeah, ten. Do you think that'll well, grow, or what? Or do you think that's about like the the normal number of like hugely impactful transfers at the top? No, nah, I think that's what it'll be. I think every year, especially now this Addison thing has happened, you'll see one like him, where it's like, well, that changes some things, and then nine through ten will be some guys where it's like, okay, they're joining national championship caliber teams. It's no different than like actual free agency, right? There's always some superstars at the top, and then like everybody in the middle there is just kind of like trying to find a place on a team, right? It's just we don't want to call it free agency because it's still college sports. But that's how this works. There's always a couple superstars every single year, and then the rest are just kind of like I don't want to say average players, but just you know parts of a team. So then, at the moment, acknowledging that a, some of these transfers are coaching change transfers, Caleb Williams certainly is couple of them were just like situational. Quinn Ewers is like, he's a Texas kid, comes to Ohio State, goes back to Texas. There's a lot of that that makes sense. The Jordan Addison one is the one that stands out. Is there a, I don't even want to say problem, because I think most people have come around on the idea of player freedom, at least to some degree, right? Are we okay right now with the, the combination of NIL and transfers? Is the transfer market the transfer decisions that are being made, the effect of transferring on competitive balance, on roster management for programs. Is it okay right now? Or is it an issue that is like, uh, this feels like it's not right? I think it's walk on a tightrope. Okay. Okay. And the next couple of years are going to decide which way. I don't, I, this is either going to, I don't think there is an okay. I think this is going to go left really fast or we're going to find a good happy medium here. But right now, everything over the last two years, everything that's every possible scenario we've seen now. So how does it get handled? Yeah. The issue is that there's nothing preventing 50 Jordan Addison's a year. And I don't know that's the, I don't know that that's the best thing for the health of the sport as a whole. But at the moment we don't have 50 Jordan Addison's. We kind of have one, but we also do have one. We don't have zero. And he might wind up back at Pitt, but we're, it's forcing a discussion right now that is um, an interesting discussion, I think, to say the least. All right, another break, and then we're going to come back and make the Ohio State all-transfer defense next on Buckeye Talk. All right, so the overall numbers, let me run through some overall numbers of out and in for transfers from, from different schools. Ohio State... The numbers I was looking at, I didn't include walk-ons. Good luck to all the tr- walk-ons who transfer. That's not really what we're talking about here. And I did think, and I guess this is right, like Jocelyn Wint and Amir Reap, who both were dismissed mm-hmm. from the team, are like in the portal and looking for new homes. Yeah. And that's 
are they a transfer? Are they a guy who was dismissed? And I don't know, but I think they are included in this number. Ohio State, since like last August, because I think Ryan Jacoby's included on this number, and he was in August, I think, in camp. It's 17 out, three in. Michigan, 10 out, two in. Penn State, 14 out, three in. Wisconsin, 11 out, five in. Now let's go national. Bama, 18 out, five in. Georgia, 11 out, zero in. Now, they're doing some pretty good recruiting, but also Bama's plucking more than Georgia. Watch out, Georgia. LSU, 10 out, 15 in. Coaching change. Clemson, 11 out, one in. And the only one in is Hunter Johnson, who left Clemson. He was the five-star before Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence comes in eats his bacon, he transfers to Northwestern, is not good at Northwestern. He calls Dabo Sweetie and says, hey, can I be a grad assistant? And he says, why don't you come back and be a quarterback? So that's the one. Clemson is not. Uh, Clemson is like Iowa. They are not involved here yet. Oklahoma, 11 out, 10 in, coaching change. USC, 12 out, 13 in, coaching change. So if you're a normal good school, it's 10 to 15 out. Ohio State 17, Bama's 18, two to five in, right? That's about the range of everybody. And then if you're a school where you just had a coaching change, it's teens out and teens in. But everyone, Steven, is kind of in the same range. So I do think it's important for Ohio State fans. Without that context, Steven, I think you could hear Ohio State has seen 17 transfers leave the program since last August. I think you could hear that and go, whoa. If you didn't know, actually, for big-time programs in the Big Ten and around the country, that's about normal. But without context, it sounds like a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. I, spe- I mean, but then you, you know, I mean, you're bringing in 20 to 25 guys in every single year. Um, most of the guys transferring are guys who are, like, borderline not even in the two deep. you got to be at 85 scholarships. I mean, we've been talking about it all spring, the fact that they were going to see a mass exodus just because there were so many over when spring started. But yeah, if somebody just said, hey, you lost 17 players this year, you'd be like, what's going on with that program? Yes. You might think, because there's, I think anytime there's a transfer, two things happen. As you are a fan of a team and a player is leaving. One is, is this player's departure going to hurt my team? Or are we going to miss his talent? Can we fill the gap of what he does? And the second is, is it indicative of a culture issue in the program? Is something happening that is making players like him leave? And I think when you see that all these numbers are similar, I think of these 17, Stephen, and as we work through them, I think the answer to the second is, no, it's not a culture thing. It's just guys looking for jobs for more playing time. And I think the answer to the first is, is there anybody that Ohio State is going to desperately miss, which is not a shot at anybody? Now, the Quinn Ewers discussion is the Quinn Ewers discussion, but they have C.J. Stroud, and they have Kyle McCord, and they have Devin Brown. So we've had that Quinn Ewers discussion. We don't need to have it for the 18th time. Is there anybody else that you feel like is really going to be missed that Ohio State was like, oh, man, I wish that guy didn't leave? And this is not a shot at those players they are all good football players who were recruited to come to Ohio State, and a lot of them are landing at big time programs. But is there anybody that really hurts? No, not really. And it's mainly because 
Ohio State is in a position where it's, if somebody's leaving, that means that somebody younger than them passed them up. Yeah. Now, if you want to have a conversation about Andre Turrentine just because he was only here for nine months, okay, that's that's a different discussion. But everybody else was an older player who either never got on the field and who never got on the field and they got passed up by a younger player. So yeah. that should make you that should almost make you more excited about what's on the roster than, than being worried about what's leaving. It. Yeah, it, there's not really a situation for Ohio State. I mean, again excluding sort of the oddness of the Quinn Ewers situation, like a Jermaine Burke, yeah. which is he's, he would have yes. come back as George's best receiver and instead he's Alabama. And George is kind of like, what? So that that's not, Ohio State did not lose a projected starter among any mm-hmm. of these. The whole point is these guys were not projected as starters, and so they left. So then let us build Ohio State's all-transfer defense. Let's start with the defensive line. Steven, who you got there? So they lost four guys who came in as – well, three guys who came in as defensive ends and another guy who came in as a tight end and then got moved to defensive end and Carmonte Hamilton. They are Carmonte Hamilton, who's now at Memphis, Darion Henry Young, who is who transferred to Kentucky before the start of the spring, and Jacoby Cowan, who went to North Carolina. Um, and then Noah Potter is the only one who's still in the part, portal who hasn't picked a, a location yet. I put Darion Henry Young and Noah Potter at the ends just because I think they're the better athletes and the smaller people. Um, I thought I think all four of these guys' future was at defensive tackle at Ohio State anyway, but for the sake of having guys in places. And then Jacoby Cowan's the three tech and Carmonte Hamilton's the the nose guard. And one quick thing as we're going through this, <laughs> all the younger guys just went home while the older guys went to be plug and play play at places. All right. So let's give everybody where they went, just as a reminder for people. Yeah. Those four guys, where are they now? Gary on Henry Young's at Kentucky, and he's from Cincinnati, but Noah Potter is still in the portal. Jacoby Cowan's at North Carolina and Carmonte Hamilton's at Memphis. And Carmonte Hamilton is from Memphis and Jacoby Cowan is from North Carolina. Yep. Okay. So good for them. Great landing spots. Again, I do think a lot of stuff that happens is it's hard to go away from home and sit. I'll Mm -hmm. go away from home for opportunity, but if I'm going to be far away from my family, to be a third stringer, that is a tough reality if I did not grow up with this program in my heart. So then not only A, I want to play, but B, if I'm going to sit, I at least may as well sit near home. So mm-hmm. I think those are good landing spots for all those guys. Which is the guy that potentially could be missed the most? Is it Darian Henry Young? That guy was like a top 150 national recruit, wasn't he? And never really got any traction here. I, it feels Some of these guys sort of took their shot and they yeah. just never quite got there. It feels like maybe Darren Henry Young never really got a chance to take his shot fully. Yeah, I think he dealt with some injuries. Um, obviously, being a part of that 2020 class, whose first you know year here was kind of ruined by COVID and whatnot. Um, I think if he's fully healthy, he's going to be one of the better players on Kentucky's defense. So, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, we, Ohio State has Jack Sawyer and JT, so they're not worried about anything. But, yes, of these four, I think he's the one that's going to have the biggest impact at the place he's at now. And it is one of those things where, and again, will Ohio State regret it, but could Darian Henry Young be like second team all SEC and be a third yes. a third round draft pick in two years and be like, oh, what was with that guy? And it was like, well, he just, as you said, he's kind of, his, his wheels spun a little bit at Ohio State, mm-hmm. never got a chance to take his best shot. But once he got to Kentucky, he showed what he is. So Again, best of luck to all these guys doing this. I mean, again, Noah Potter just coming off a huge, serious eye surgery that blew up the end of his last season and is going to look for somewhere. Noah Potter, Northeast Ohio guy, 
the younger brother of Micah Potter, who transferred from Ohio State basketball to Wisconsin basketball, and I think had a pretty successful transfer. And I think found what he was looking for, certainly right in the end, Stephen. Micah Potter got more opportunity at Wisconsin than he did at Ohio State. And I even think he was on an NBA roster at one point this year, I think. Wasn't he a little bit briefly? Yeah, at least at least got a two-way deal. But yeah, he was a, a borderline all-big 10 player at Wisconsin. So it worked out for him. And Ohio State basketball probably could have used him. Yeah, but like an example for the Potter family of like, hey, you know, if it's, if it's not working out here, maybe it'll work out somewhere else. So that's an interesting defensive line group. Let's go to linebacker on our all-transfer, all-defense team. So this was easy. Um, these are also the only two, as of right now, of, of people who have actually picked a school who didn't end up at Power 5 programs. Um, Dallas Gant, who is now at Toledo, and Kayvon Pope, who is now at Tennessee State. Um we obviously know that spectrums in which they chose to leave the program during the season, basically within four days of each other. I put Dallas Gant at Mike just because he actually was an inside linebacker here. So he'll probably, you know, he's probably better at calling plays because he knows what he's doing. And I just like Kayvon Pope be the will linebacker and do whatever he wants, even if he was a Sam linebacker here. So Dallas Gant is from Toledo. Our yep. friends at the Toledo Blade, Kyle Rowland and David Briggs, who have covered Ohio State to varying degrees in previous years wrote 30 stories about Dallas Gant in his time at Ohio State. I think he might have been the biggest Toledo player at Ohio State since Dane Sansenbacher. So that was, and it felt like Dallas Gant was always coming, always coming, always coming. And then it just kind of passed him by. And then Kayvon mm -hmm. Pope, we know. Tennessee State, where's Kayvon Pope from? He's from Virginia. Okay. But obviously but Tennessee State, Eddie George. And yes. Eddie George is the head coach there. And I think reached out very early in the process when Kayvon Pope uh, was dismissed from Ohio State's team after his uh, incident during that game last year. So this is guys who took their shots and it didn't quite work out. This is different than a Darian Henry Young transfer. These are the linebackers from the 2018 class who, when their time came, just lost out to steel chambers and guys like that. Yeah. So now they get to be the starting linebackers in our hypothetical defense. And Dallas Gant, I mean, good. Dallas Gant, there's going to be 500 people at every Toledo football game that are there just to watch Dallas Gant because Dallas Gant was a stud in Toledo high school football. Awesome for him. That, Go tear it up. Is man. he like the best? Is he the best linebacker in the MAC? I mean, and, and again, guess what? If you're the best linebacker in the MAC, you might get a combine invite. Yeah. If you're the best linebacker in the MAC, you might be a sixth round pick. I don't know. Go tear it up. Go tear it up, Dallas Gant. Prove Ohio State wrong. I don't know. Like, that's. I, I good luck to him in in his season at Toledo. All right, let's go to cornerback specifically, not just secondary. Who are our corners on this team? So we've got depth. Our first position where we've got a little bit of depth. We've got a three man mm. rotation going with Seven Banks, who's now at LSU. Um, plenty of experience there. He was a starting corner on a team that recent national championship. Um, and then Legend Cavazos and Ryan Watts. Legend Cavazos now at North Carolina. And Ryan Watts went home to Texas. So let's start with Seven Banks. Again, just a weird year. Weird the whole time. We thought maybe he would have would have been in the 2022 NFL draft. Instead, he's going to take one more shot at LSU. LSU has lost some corners out. Derek Stingley went to the draft. Eli Ricks went to Alabama. They needed some corners in. This is Brian Kelly bringing in a lot of transfers in year one at LSU. Just moderately perusing. LSU media on this, it feels like seven banks 
is going to have a pretty decent chance to get on the field. And after just an odd season, he's at a big time program with the chance to sort of resuscitate his NFL aspirations, which again, a year ago, he certainly had. And people were debating, hey, is he the next in the line of Ohio State corners before things went south? This is a specific sort of particularly interesting. It's not a grad transfer, but it almost feels like that, that this is like one year to get yourself back on track toward what you thought you were pointed to before. If he's a fourth round pick next spring, I'm not going to be shocked. He has some innate ability. I mean, there were times when he showed at Ohio mm-hmm. state that he could be a good player. I yeah. thought, I think it sometimes he got overrated, but it's not, before the 2021 season, I don't think the discussion around Seven Banks was necessarily like, is he good or not? It was more like, is he good or is he potentially great? Yeah. And I think on this podcast, we're like, well, we think he's good. But I think, you know, these a year early mock drafts that have him in the first round I might be like, what? What are we doing there? That doesn't seem exactly right. But good luck to Seven Banks trying to get that back on track at LSU. Legend Cavazos and Ryan Watts are linked, right? These were two guys in the same recruiting class. When we talked about sort of like a recruiting dip in the secondary, it was, hey, you're getting some corners who are ranked more, right? In the two or three hundreds, not in the top 50. These guys are the ones who are sort of in the end supplanted by Jordan Hancock and J.K. Johnson and Denzel Burke. It doesn't feel like they're particularly missed. But guess what? These were two of the three top corners in the opener against Minnesota last year. The three guys who played against Minnesota were Denzel Burke, Legend Cavazos, and Ryan Watts. One of them cut it, and he's their number one corner right now. The other two kind of didn't. But UNC and Texas, man, these are big-time programs. As we said, these guys aren't landing at Ashland. These guys are going to programs where they're expecting to win, and they think these guys can help them. I do wonder if there's a part of Ohio State that wishes at least one of those two would have stuck around, though, for the sake of depth, just in case, you know. Injuries happen because they are kind of light there right now. But yeah, from a talent standpoint, I think the writing was on the wall for Ryan Watson, which is why I think he left even before the Rose Bowl. Yeah, uh, with Legend he Cavazos, left early. he stuck. Yeah, a, yeah Legend Cavazos stuck around, went through the spring, realized, oh, I'm not going to get on the field as an outside corner because these guys are coming. So let me move inside the nickel safety and try it there. Oh, I'm not going to get on the field there, so I'm going to move on to somewhere else. It they should be okay. We've had a lot of discussions around the corners. If the top the top four are now there's no if the top four are in some order Denzel Burke Cam Brown Jordan Hancock J.K. Johnson, but then the fifth guy is basically a true freshman, so they are probably two injuries away from being like man maybe we really wish one of Watts or Cavazos was still around just for experience but. You know, Ryan Turner and Jair Brown and guys like that, right? I mean, it's just going to it's gonna be on mm-hmm. them. And I just think in the end, we got – I really – Ryan Watts is long. He was like that 6'2", right? Richard Sherman kind of corner. Yeah. Like, oh, man, that feels like it could work. We had a lot of talk about a long corner when Ryan Watts got here from Texas. And it was like the next in the line of, hey, they're going down in the Big 12 territory. I'm plucking guys out. This feels like it could be a big one. And then Legend Cavazos – I. I I was a little surprised Ryan Watts didn't work. There was, I don't know that I ever would have driven a bus for Ryan Watts, but I would have driven like a minivan for Ryan Watts. My family, when I was like in seventh grade, now nah, maybe we're like fifth grade. My parents were not very savvy car shoppers. So I remember very specifically one day they dropped me off for my baseball game 
in a station wagon. And I took batting practice and fielding practice and, you know, got some licorice and a orange soda. How you fuel up before a little league baseball game. And they weird combination. And they came. I like them. Don't you like them? You take the licorice and you make a straw out of licorice. Like you bite off both ends and then it's a tube. I mean, and then the oh, like is a Twizzlers? straw, yeah, like a str- yeah, like a, like a twist. Oh, okay, and yeah, never mind. I don't and know you, if I would use orange soda though. But okay, I mean it's one of those things. I'm not like, like everybody uses makes a straw out of licorice, like out of Twizzlers. Right? Yeah, that's of a course. thing. Yeah. Of course. So yeah. so I'm doing that. I'm just living little Dougie's life, and my parents come back, and the station wagon is dead, and they are driving a Toyota, a silver Toyota minivan with a maroon stripe. And it was this style of Toyota minivan that had no front. It was like a Voldemort minivan. There was no front to it. It was like the nose got cut off. And when you drove it, it felt like you were sitting on the road. And it weighed as much as a feather. My dad got blown off the road in that minivan at one point in a windstorm. It was the worst vehicle ever made. But my parents bought it in 45 minutes. They showed up at the car. They didn't have an appointment. They were like, Hey, we'll drop you off for batting practice. We're going to go buy a car in the hour before the game starts. That is my <laughs> And they came and, and it was the it was the worst car uh ever assembled. I don't know why I told that story. I don't know what my point was. Because you said you were driving a minivan and I'm pretty sure oh, yeah. that's the minivan you would drive I'm around driving, watch. That's the minivan I but guess what? My minivan got blown off the road. My minivan got blown yeah. off the road. And then my dad one time was like, we, then we were like drove past and he like pointed down in a ditch, like down in a, in a Creek bed. And he was like, Oh yeah, that's the ditch I was in, in the minivan. It's like, what are we doing? Like I woke up from school one day and I went up and, and I, I came down to like eat breakfast. And usually my dad had left for work by the time I woke up to go to school. And like my dad was sitting on the couch and I was like, Oh, why are you at work? And he's like, oh, I blew off the road and went in a ditch. And it was like, great, so simple. <laughs> great car choice. So that's the minivan that I drove for Ryan Watts. I'm a little that I guess it's one of those things, Stephen. We expect Ohio State to recruit cornerbacks who are top 100 national recruits. Neither of these guys are. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'm not shocked that they did not work out as starters and that they wound up transferring. But man, I sort of had talked myself into Ryan Watts somewhere along the line. I was there with Legend Cavazos just because he was a super athlete guy yeah. who might be a super who might blow who might blow it away at the combine yeah um ryan watch's situation is weird because he was a halfly guy who didn't really get to know carrie combs until he got here and now you're asking and, and when it, it's very clear that carrie combs wasn't going to be back here after next last season so now you're asking a guy who one none of the people who recruited him are already not on the staff and now you're asking him to get used to a new staff who are probably going to move on to younger guys and he's 5,000 miles away from home because he's from Texas and he sees Texas is getting it together. So I'm just going to go home. I understood that one. The legend, I was there with legend though. I thought it might take two or three years, but that would be, that would be a one that might hit just based off his athletic pedigree. And it didn't hit either. So. And where, but legends from Arizona and then went to IMG. No legends from San Antonio and went to IMG, but, um, I think he had built relationships with people at North Carolina. Okay. okay. Um, during the recruiting process back when he had initially decommitted when uh, Tabor Johnson got fired. Okay. All right. So those are, that's it. You're going to rotate those three corners. You're going to play three guys from yes. two spots. Defensive yes. coordinator, Stephen Means. Okay. Yep. All right. So let's, let's go to safety. What safeties are we deploying in the all transfer defense? 
We rotate, yeah, we rotate our our fourth round cornerbacks over here. <laughs> um, so at the adjuster safety spot, just put Bryson Shaw there. I mean, he's got plenty of experience. The free safety, he played it all last year. He knows what he's doing. Um, I think he can be our Jordan Fuller, our eraser on this hypothetical defense. My bandit is going to be Craig Young because unlike Ohio State, I'm going to tap into whatever that is because that always intrigued me, that size, that athleticism, uh, the size of a linebacker with the athleticism of a safety. That's interesting to me. And I think that's what the bullet was always supposed to be, and it never got a chance to be that because they really never deployed it, and then Ronnie Hickman just locked it down. So we're going to deploy it, and Craig Young's going to have 150 tackles for us. And then at the nickel safety is where I'll put Andre Turrentine because he's got like a cornerback build and background a little bit. So I'll put him there. And then as their backups, Marcus Hooker can just be the backup for both the bandit and the adjuster safety. So just tell you where they're going. Andre Turrentine, Tennessee, went home. Craig Young to Kansas. And then Bryce Shaw linking back up with Alex Grinch out at USC. And Marcus Hooker is still in the portal. So – Find somebody who looks at you the way Alex Grinch looks at Bryson Shaw. That is, yes. is, is he recruited. Alex Grinch was here one year. Bryson Shaw was a, a safety ranked in the 500s out of Maryland. And Alex Grinch said that guy. And he wound up playing all, obviously, a whole bunch of snaps for Ohio State last year. We had a lot of debates about what is Bryson Shaw? Is he good or not? We're looking at PFF grades and they're decent sometimes. And then you try to watch the game and it's like, well, was that angle great? It sort of feels like maybe that could have been stopped for an 11 yard gain. And it was a 61 yard gain. And then in the end, it's like, he wasn't going to be a starter this year. So um, that's interesting. Craig Young, again, the number of Isaiah Simmons conversations that not only we had on this podcast, but like I had with Craig Young, (laughs) it was like, aren't you going to be Isaiah Simmons? And it's like, Craig Young, do you think you're closer to the most versatile linebacker slash safety that college football has seen in the last 10 years? Or do you think you're closer to transferring to Kansas, which is like the Rutgers of the Plains? So listen, Kansas is trying to get it together. Lance Leipold's a good coach. They're getting a little bit of life there. But I don't know. If my choice was Isaiah Simmons or Kansas, which is a pretty wide range, for Craig Young, if I had had to pick one of those before last season, Stephen, I would have picked Isaiah Simmons. I would not have picked yeah. tran- Kansas transfer. For what it's worth, Isaiah Simmons is from Kansas, so there still is some correlation there. Oh, yeah, but yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, at least like we thought that they were going to rotate it. We didn't think that Ryan Hickman was just going to lock the position down and Craig Young was going to be lived. The only game he was really going to have an impact in was the Michigan State game. Yeah. Because throughout the season, they would give him these little moments and we would go, hey, Ryan, are we going to see more of that? It looks like it's working. He's like, yeah, yeah, he's good. We're going to see more of that. No, we're not going to see any more of that. That's all you get. And so sometimes he was like the bullet and then sometimes he was the pre-Jack. Yes. And it's like, wow, look at this. And it's like, nope. That was just like six plays in that game for no apparent reason. So, again, second team, all Big 12 selection, Craig Young. Craig Young, it's like, oh, how did, how did Texas-Kansas game go today? It's like, oh, Texas won, but Craig Young had a pick, a sack, mm-hmm. and three tackles for loss. It's like, yep, nope, that sounds about right. I don't know. The guy seems like a really good athlete and football player. I, I, I'm a little surprised that they – that. That one might be on Ohio State. Just sort of a lack of direction for the defense as a whole leads to a lack of direction with the player specifically leads to a player leaving. And again, is it going to, are they going to, will he haunt them? Uh, they'll be fine. 
but Craig Young might be pretty good. Andre Tarantine was just quick and out and just, mm-hmm. but Ryan Day sort of gave us an indication this spring of, hey, we need more safety depth. And it was like, well, there's a couple guys because like Josh Proctor wasn't fully there and uh, Jocelyn went, no. Who was it? Not Justin. Johnson Dunn um, Lath- was, was hurt. Dunn and Lathan and Lathan ran from. But then they're like, well, what about the guys who were here? And then it was like within two weeks of Ryan Day saying, hey, we need our safeties to step up. Bryson Shaw, Marcus Hooker, and Andre Turrentine were gone because they were there. And Ryan Day was saying, it's one of those things. When you're standing right in front of somebody and the guy looks at you and says, we don't have enough depth. And you're standing right there and you're like looking behind you being like, but wait, does he... Does he not see me? Coach. And then he's like, we don't have enough depth. And you're like, oh, it feels like we need to have a conversation. And like, that's what happened in the safety room. And three guys were out. So as much as they sort of were short on safeties, I don't know that we were then surprised that three safeties left because they were saying it sort of wasn't what they were looking for. Yeah, it wasn't so much depth in terms of how many human beings were sitting in the room. I think they were fine there. They had too much of people, too many people sitting in the room. They didn't have depth in terms of like, people they trusted who were also healthy enough to like participate yeah. in the spring. Everybody, I mean, all their safeties would go from the safety room for meetings to the training room. And then it, we're all, they're all looking around like, all right, well, we got to play these guys. I, but the Tarantino team one did kind of catch me off guard there because he also didn't early enroll. So it's not like he was here for a full year. He showed up in late June, like a, like some other kids did. And like, just like Jordan, Jordan Hancock and Kalen Johnson did. But, Never, unlike those two, it never seemed like he was going to have an opportunity to get into the two deep. And so, as you said before, it's kind of hard to sit and be away from home. So it's just a lot of guys defensively. Again, we had talked about 17 yes. out. These are 13 defensive guys we just went through. Quinn Ewers on offense, Ryan Jacoby on offense. I don't even know how many other offensive guys there are because, again, it's like you could – depends how you look at – Jack Miller. Jack and, Miller, yeah. Um, one more I can't think of right now. Yeah, I forgot Jack Miller. Yeah, Jack Miller at Florida, Quinn Ewers at Texas. Uh, so anyway, it's it's defensive heavy for a defense that wasn't good enough, and it feels like they can fill in the spots. I do think in the end, most of these guys, and I don't know that I would even say, I think all of these guys, I don't think there's an exception that would stand out here. I think all of these guys, the transfer portal is working for them because none of these guys should have to sit and mm-hmm. blow a year just because they couldn't start at Ohio state. That's where this, this, that's where it's like, and nobody, none of these guys are getting NIL influence to figure out where their next step is because they're just not right now, not established enough football players to get that. So to me, right, this is the transfer portal, the new one time immediate eligibility transfer rule working correctly. These are 13 guys who are going to have a better chance to play, have more fun, remember their college experience, and maybe give themselves opportunities for the NFL more so at the new place than they would have at Ohio State. Good for them. Good for the rule change. Yes. And, I mean, we're, we've made this death chart, but all these guys are probably starting next year. At their new schools. Yeah. At their new schools. Or at the bare minimum in the two deep for wherever they're at now. And I mean, we're joking. Some of these guys might be all conference level players where they're at now. But yes, this is what the whole, this is the point of the one-time transfer rule. Not some of this other stuff we've been seeing. I'm a backup at Ohio State. I can start at Kansas. I'm a backup at Ohio State. I can 
be in the two deep at North Carolina. I'm a backup at Ohio State. I can start at Tennessee. That's what it's about. And that, and, th- and that, I think, nobody disputes that. It took us too long in college sports to get to this, but this is a rule change working for the benefit of athletes who deserve that benefit. Okay, here is the plan for the rest of this week. Thursday pod, reacting to what we expect to be an Ohio State recruiting announcement. This is the Wednesday pod that we're recording just after noon on Wednesday. Stephen, you are getting in the car to drive. Just remind people because as they listen to this, it's either about to happen or it just did happen. What is the recruiting deal on Wednesday? Yeah, um, actually two things because the other one's happening in real time. The recruiting thing first, um, Austin Sierra Veiled out of Lakota East High School in Middletown, Ohio, the number 351 player, number 20 interior offensive lineman. Um, he is choosing between Alabama, Notre Dame, and Ohio State. And there's good reason to believe that when we talk some recruiting tomorrow, we'll be talking about Austin Sierraville being commit number 10 for Ohio State's 2023 recruiting class. And he'll join Luke Montgomery and Josh Padilla as in-state offensive linemen in the class. And from that point on, it's like, okay, can Justice Fry, Justin Fry go out there and, you know, get some of these national guys that are still on their list. And then from a basketball standpoint, just to throw this out here, Isaac Lakili um, from Oklahoma State will be grad transferring to Ohio State. He had seven points per game last year, and that gives Ohio State 13 scholarship players. Does that mean they're probably done? Yes. Okay. So we were sort of waiting for the portal to settle for the basketball Buckeyes before we do a reset mm-hmm of them. So now that that has happened, probably look for that maybe next week on Buckeye Talk. Thursday will be what happened with this latest recruit and sort of a reset of where some things are from a recruiting standpoint. Friday, a draft of the best Ohio State players in the NFL, mostly based on how good you think they are going to be in the 2022 season, sort of looking at it as, hey, I'm running a good NFL team right now. And everybody who played for Ohio State in college is now available in an expansion draft. And I can just add them to my team to help me right now. Who would you take? That will be a draft. I'll be there. Steven will be there. Some of our Browns NFL writers will be there. That should be a very fun Friday Buckeye talk. Try the text at 614-350-3315. Read cleveland.com slash OSU. Drop the reviews at Apple Podcasts. And again, congratulations to the Baird family on the arrival of Bennett Baird. For Stephen, I'm Doug, and that was Buckeye Talk.